0: Here we come blue and white and we're looking
1: good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United
0: And everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The one place to get a Carlisle fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Booth United are through to the second round of the Cup, but in the league, Harrogate's status as a bogey team remains unchanged. We look back on the win over Tronmere and the dramatic midweek draw in North Yorkshire for looking ahead to this weekend's fixture against Walsall at Brunton Park.
1: Ten, so true, run, one, two, one.
0: Yes. Yeah, just I don't know what it is about Harrogate, Mike. We just, just just can't seem to get a result against them, can we?
2: No, and... Yeah, it's not a draw that's much to celebrate. You know, albeit been a last minute equaliser, it's still disappointing. It's disappointing,
0: but we were second best for most of that game, weren't we? So, actually, when you look at it, it's not. People probably say, oh, you've been ahead twice, two points dropped. Actually, it's more like a point gained because. I kind of feel a little bit of Harrogate because they, they, they certainly were the better team in that game. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's the vagaries, isn't it? Sometimes you get those results, don't you? So, uh, yeah. there you go. Well, let's get straight into it, I've got plenty to cover today. Um, first up, um, oh, the usual sponsor stuff. We're very proud to say that once again this season, the podcast has been sponsored by the Kallionite Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Kallionite fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston, Singapore. And, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Just a reminder also, if you don't already, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on any good podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Pocket Casts, any good podcast app. If you just search for The Brunton Bugle, um, click subscribe, and then every time a new episode comes out, you will get straight into your inbox. And if you don't already, please do uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, at Brunton Bugle. Uh, same address on Instagram, at Brunton Bugle. Um, if you search for The Brunton Bugle on uh, Facebook and click like, you can follow us there and uh, yeah, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Facebook group, um, which is a fantastic community. Over 3,000 people in there would recommend joining it definitely. Uh, we're on the Cumbrings.net message board and you can find us on email, BruntonBugle at gmail.com. Okay, Mike, that's all that covered. So let's get into the news section. Um, we'll do the loan watching in a sec. There's only one real bit of news to cover this week though, isn't there? And this is one that yeah. we missed last week because we recorded early in the week. So this was sort of announced, I think it was on Thursday, was it announced or was it Wednesday? I can't remember which one it was now. But um,
2: It's one of the other, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, this is the news that um, a section of the paddock was to be closed after um, the incidents that occurred in the fruity defeat against Leighton Orient a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, this... It's an interesting one, this, isn't it? Because the initial reaction, we, we were ready to be very angry on this this programme, saying, you know, you closed off the big section, it's, it's a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. Friday morning, the club revealed the section that was closed off. Essentially, what they said was an area behind the dugout at Brunton Park was going to be closed because of the alleged coin throw. Now, I, I've heard from someone that apparently they're well on to finding someone who did throw a coin, possibly, so we might hear something about that very soon, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, now... The idea was they were going to close a section behind both the home and the away dugouts. And the photo they put up on the official website just showed the whole of that section. It didn't mm. show where it was blocked off. And they said, we'll be confirming the final section that's closed off uh, either Friday or Saturday morning. I'm thinking, why don't tell us now? Mm. The big failure in all this for me is... It's been badly communicated, in in my humble opinion. You know, yeah. I, I work in communications, so I've, I've got you know I've got some you know some experience in this this field, and I know it can be difficult sometimes. But for me, they never should have been putting that announcement out without knowing exactly what section was closed off.
2: I mean, the thing for me would be, and as far as I'm aware, there's nothing that indicates that the alleged coin was thrown from that bit. So, why close that bit? I think the
0: problem is, the other thing that's come out is obviously quite a lot of fans emailed Nigel Clebbins, quite angry about it, you know, There's some really angry reactions, understandably so, that, because cause one of the big problems is because they put it out and said that they were closing a section, of the, it made out as if they were closing the whole stand. And Sky Sports News had it on their yellow ticket, on their, not yellow ticket, on the little thing, you mm. know, the updates at the bottom. And it made it out like we were, you know, is BCF report, 2.0 had been informed mm. something and you know, they were closing a whole stand and as it is they've only closed up to the first crush barrier so
2: but it's literally like four steps I, I do think though that that is a case of them backing down a little bit after seeing the fan reaction
0: it might well be but the, the talk I've heard is it, that was always the intended section and they have just cocked up in not telling it properly mm. now it, it may well be that it was supposed to be more but I don't think anyone can deny that it, it just wasn't handled well at all by the club no. It should have been on the bear. It's it, it's painted a bad image of the fans. And I, and I think that's part of the reason fans are angry. Not, mm. I think some... Yeah, the small section of fans who, who've lost their space where they normally stand for years and years are not going to be happy. But actually, you're probably going to find most fans are angry because of the way it's it's portraying the club's fans. And mm. there's a feeling sometimes, and I think, and I kind of get this, that the club doesn't do enough to defend our fans sometimes. And yes, there is yeah. some elements of bad behaviour occasionally. But it's it's always quite often they basically bend over for the FA and make them, you know, you know, do every, everything possible and other clubs would back their fans a lot more, I feel. That that's the impression I get. Yeah. And, you know, whether this has anything to do with the fact that one of our directors has high positions in both the FA and the EFL, I have no idea. He mm. might be wanting to keep them happy, you never know. But that's the impression a lot of fans get a lot of fans were saying this to me when I was at the, the last two games are saying mm. oh it's typical it's just John Nixon wanting to keep his mates happy. Mm. It it might not be, but that's the impression that fans have got now, and that's yeah, half the exactly. problem. It, exactly, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's is, I, I, I do feel that the club do want to avoid getting fined and things like that. Yes, I totally understand that, but at the same time, there's better ways of portraying your fans than, than what they've done in the recent weeks, and it, and it and it's frustrating. It really. I is. mean,
2: it's it's absolutely crazy when you think about it that what like three little rows of a terrace, like a tiny little area that made Sky Sports news that that been closed. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. I almost, you know, think, and,
0: I, I almost think it would have been better if they'd just closed it and mm. not told it beforehand and when the fans got there to the game to say, look, decision's been taken to close it off because mm. of what happened at the last game. Mm. You probably wouldn't have had anywhere near as an angry reaction than the one we've yeah. got.
2: So. But for me, our fans have been brilliant this season and there's been two very suspect allegations against our fans, one of which been the Hartlepool seat thing as well, and you know our fans have been brilliant, and I just I just think I don't like this picture that's been painted, yeah, of us well, at we, all.
0: We, we've said with the with the, with the seat thing, and and we've had it. You know, people who have sat nearby have pretty much confirmed this. That, that was just from the the crush from from the mm. goals, the mm. surge forward, and that's mm. due to. And you know what? If you had people sat in those seats instead of covering them over you wouldn't have had that search forward because they would have mm. not been able to. Mm. But cause, and and the, and again, it's down to poor stewarding by letting too many fans get into that area. Mm. If they stewarded exactly. the area better, then they could have avoided that, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they want to do it on the cheap. That's Hartlepool's that's Pool's choice. And the coin for thing, yeah, with, the frustration thing is it is an allegation, but it, from what I've heard, and we'll have to wait and see if it's true, it looks like they are close to p- potentially identifying someone who did that, which, you know, is frustrating because it, it, it does... Bishmirk the fans, doesn't it? Something like that. It's, 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 it's it
2: does, but at the same time, you know, if one person chucks a coin, find them, ban them. That's it. Yeah. Don't tart every single yeah. one no, of no, our no, fans no, 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 as bad people. You know, you're,
0: you're absolutely right when you say that, Mike. I 100 agree with you on that. And from from what we've seen, and you know, a few people have seen the emails that Clibbins has sent back to fans, which is it's generally you know, it's a cut and paste job. But of course, it's he's not going to type out an individual email to every single fan. The detail he puts in it is is quite interesting and it does make you think why wasn't that put out with the initial statement it mm. was talk of the fact that you know fans trying to get towards the tunnel when the refs and players are going off and abuse being shouted at thing uh, you know from close range and you know, not particularly nice things and and yeah you know you know what both me and you have called many a manager an, an effing clown down the years haven't <laughs> we you know and, and yeah. possibly slightly worse things
2: Yeah,
0: we've tried not to get too personal of course you don't you know but it, it, it's football people vent off a bit there probably is a case of a few... And we know that, from speaking to other people, there are a few people who stand down there who go there for one reason, and that's to give quite personal abuse to the opposite managers. And that, that isn't good. And, and Simo's commented on this and, and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, that needs to be dealt with. But tell us that when you put the initial statement out. Mm. The impression that was given in that initial statement, it, it was more just down to the coin throw incident. And that's what's got people riled up, because at the end of the day, chances are the coin was thrown from a lot further away from that. Mm. Because you know, if you throw it that close, it's going to be quite easy to identify you, isn't it? So, yeah. so there you go. It, 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 it's just a it's just a feeling of frustration right now, isn't it? The feeling that the club should have handled it a lot better. And I'm, I'm hope, my hope is it's a case of lessons learned. But I think yeah. that's what we all want, isn't it? We don't we don't want D- it to drag on too much longer.
2: Definitely. And you know, since Simo's came in, I haven't seen much anger aimed at the directors, mm-hmm. and they've kind of, they kind of undid a lot of goodwill with that one stupid move really
0: yeah and but, i i think mm. that they've probably got a little bit out of jail on it as well because the team plays so well hang on it's trying and put in such a good performance that mm. there wasn't really any sort of gripes directed towards them i was stood in my usual spot mm. a bit further up in the close section and didn't hear anything shout at the directors at all during the game and that's just because the team's doing well so Mm. they're they're a bit lucky in that sense but you know like i said hopefully they've learned the lesson and, and we we can move on and yeah the hope is that section will reopen but the impression i get from some people is that potentially in the future they're going to try and put some sort of permanent barrier there to stop fans getting in there which which will be sad if that's if, that, mm. if they think that's the solution and yeah it, it it could have been handled a lot lot better yeah. right let's do a quick loan watch mike before we uh review the two games um so first up, uh, Max Killsby. Uh, big win for Max and uh, Annan at the weekend. They moved off the bottom of the Scottish League 2 table because they picked up a 4-1 win at 4-5 Athletic. Uh, 4-5 actually dropped to the bottom of the table. Uh, up next for the gala Bank, it's, it's a tough tie though. It's it's a, a trip to face second place Sterling Albion. So doesn't get much easier, <laughs> tougher really. But um, but yeah, Max as well played a part apparently in the fourth goal. He had a shot that was uh, deflected into the path of Aladou actually scored. So
2: good to see them relegation six-pointer that one as well wasn't it for them yeah yeah re- re- real big result
0: in, against one of the fellow strugglers and hopefully that can sort of kickstart their season mm. uh, Lewis Bell uh, another two appearances for him but my word not a good week <laughs> is it fair to say for Gretna mm. um, two home defeats in a row first up they lost 3-0 to second place Spartans and then in midweek they were hammered 6-0 by East Kilbride I mean East Kilbride were close to getting promoted to the Scottish uh, League 2 weren't they I think Last season, I seem to remember they might have been in the playoffs, possibly to to go up. Can't remember exactly, but I'm, no, I, maybe don't. not. I don't. know well, maybe it was the year. But I can't remember. The, fairly recently, they've been close to getting into the Scottish League, but um, but yeah, not not a great result. And uh, this weekend, they're going to travel to Edinburgh to face Hearts under twenty ones, because of course Hearts, Rangers, and Celtic all play in the Lowland League in their under twenty one sides these days. So uh, yeah, Rangers under under twenty ones are actually top of the league. I presume they're not allowed to get promoted into the Scottish League. I'm guessing that's what the, the rules are, but
2: I'm not sure. I know in Germany they have to be two divisions apart, don't they?
0: Uh I can't remember if it's two divisions. it might be two divisions, but I remember the rule there was basically you couldn't go any higher than and Free League, which is the third tier, which is the first sort of professional mm. tier as you're going up basically. So um so yeah, um interesting to see what happens with that. Another start for the Fish, Uh, but not a positive result for Morpeth. unfortunately. They went down to a 2-0 home defeat to Marine. Uh, Sam was actually subbed off in the 61st minute in this game, and the score was still 0-0. This weekend, uh, the Highwaymen travelled to Cheshire to face Nantwich Town. And finally, Lewis Boyd, uh, he made his 8th appearance for the Sky Blues at Carlisle City. Um, Unfortunately, it was a 3-2 home defeat against Heaton Stannington. Um, They were actually 2-1 up as well at... One point in this game, so not a good result for Carlisle City. Uh, this weekend they travel to Pickering Town. Uh, right, well, that's lone watch done, Mike. Let's get into the match reviews. Um, first up, Carl United 2, Tromir Rovers 1. FA Cup victory gets us into the second round where we'll face Walsall away. I mean, God, Walsall away. We didn't actually mention this in the news section, did we? But it's mm. not much of a reward, is it really? I suppose, no,
2: but it, it could have been worse to be honest yeah. with you. So. It
0: did. It's and no Warsaw fans are going to be listening to this. It's a, a winnable tie. I'm saying that with my inverted commas there, and that fact mm. that both sides probably look at it as an, a winnable tie. Really, don't they? They think Warsaw thinking yeah. they're at home. That, that's all you can ask for. And we're thinking which we
2: should hopefully make for yeah. a good game of football.
0: Yeah, it should be should be a tight game, and hopefully with some you know because it's it's probably going to be Saturday three o'clock. It's not going to be on TV. or It's not going to be the
2: no. you know the
0: highlights on that they have on Sundays. So. With any luck, they might reduce the prices. Might get a decent crowd, maybe because you know it certainly helps for our first round game, didn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it's one of these ones. This game, we're going into it. We didn't know about the injuries to Dennis and Stretton. We knew there was potentially a couple of players going to miss out, but when the starting lineups announced, and you find out that your two main strikers are injured again. Mm. There was a sort of sinking feeling, wasn't there, when you saw that starting lineup and you saw Toby starting. And that's not a slight on Toby, it's more a case of he's nowhere near fitting. We knew to be we knew
2: he wasn't ready. Like, no. you know. And and the way that he plays as well, he, he needs a lot of energy. Yeah. Definitely. And Yeah, and by all accounts, you know, he came off at about sixty minutes, absolutely shattered. He could um, barely
0: walk, never mind run. Yeah. He was like he was trying his hardest to chase down the two centre backs and you could see him like way to the bench and so, say I need to come off soon and that's mm. when I see Harris came on. But um, but yeah, so the, one of the biggest spies actually was that John Mellish was available. We were convinced all week he wasn't uh, yeah. he was suspended but turns out for five bookings it only counts in the league mm. whereas if you get sent off it also counts in cup fixtures as well I think hence why mm. Ryan Edmonton missed this one but was allowed to mm. play against Harrogate. Um, yes, yeah, surprisingly he was available. Um Missing out obviously, Stratton and Dennis. Um, show Silver got his shock start. Um, Gibson returned to the starting eleven, and uh, Charters and Ellis both kept their starting places as well. And certainly well deserved, wasn't it? Obviously they've had a great performances against Tramway in the league game, mm. and again <laughs> did it in this one, didn't they? They're, they're both really good.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you no, know, Charters it was a good little ball around for Harris, wasn't it? For the uh, for our second goal.
0: It certainly was. You're jumping ahead a little bit there, Mike, aren't you? uh, Let's talk about the goals then. Um, First up, Gibson's goal. Um, Lovely little through ball from Guy to play show silver in. And this is when he was able to go full pelt for that first half. Gets away from his mind, gets into the box. And it's one of those ones that when it happened, I was like, he's taking a bit too long. He should have played a ball across. Mm. Instead, he goes for the low shot. Ross Dewan in the golf trimmer made an absolute hash of it. I mean, that, that's a really easy one to save as well, isn't it? it, it it's hit hard, but he, yeah, it, I'd be disappointed does. if Thomas Herley spilled that.
2: Yeah, he he does, but at the same time, like it shows having a striker take that shot and goal, even if you don't score, it can make things happen. And yeah. you know, show silver. You know, all right, yeah, the keeper could have done better, but show silver sort of basically made the goal happen by yeah. doing that.
0: Does he count as an assist on your unofficial no, assist chart?
2: No, I'm a bit harsh, but yeah. No, nah, come on. <laughs> you,
0: you give assists when a player gets fouled for a penalty, for goodness' sake. Well, yeah, you know that's a good and thing. And you're not giving you got... one for a shot that was parried in the in the lad follows three?
2: No, but if it hits the Terror. woodwork. And then the striker scores the rebound, and that counts as an assist. Unbelievable! Officially, you yeah. are so, yeah. so tight. That's pathetic. Yeah,
0: there you go. Anyway, but yes, yeah, so obviously, uh, Doan spilled the ball, and and Gibson was, to be fair, he didn't spill the ball out very far. It was just Gibson was so quick to react mm. and hammered the ball into the roof, and that and give us a, a deserved lead going into the break, didn't he? It was, mm. yeah. Show Silver as well was close to getting a second for us because, brilliant again to to play the offside trap and get away and it's one of those ones when you look back at it now you think give it another month, a fully fit Toby Show Silva yeah. gets away from his man then and probably slots mm. away because you back him in those situations he's, he's he's decent with his one-on-ones but he just was able to give the defender a little bit of time to get back and make a brilliant block to to prevent the uh, the ball going in B- big shout out to Thomas Holy though in the first half for a brilliant save he made early on didn't he with um, mm. Hemmings got away he looked offside to me but I think looking back on TV he probably wasn't um he got through on goal, and Holy was really quick to come out and make himself big and make a really good save. Uh, into the second half, as you mentioned there, Mike, already, Toby was absolutely shy. It's interesting, post-match, Paul Simpson, in, the, in his interview, did say, didn't he, that he'd already told Taylor Charter at the halftime, yeah, yeah. you're going to be going to be striker with mm. you know half an hour to go. I'm really sorry, I've got no choice. And Taylor's like, yep, no problem, I'll do that. Mm. So, you know rather than saying oh i'm not sure about that boss which you know shows a great attitude of the lad as well mm. and uh yeah harris came on for toby and uh taylor moved up front and yeah he, he probably didn't have that much of the ball but what he did he, he pressed the center backs and didn't mm. really give them much time and we hopefully didn't really have a huge amount to do in this game to be brutally honest mm-hmm. so and that was a testament to the to the work we did up front in terms of pressing so yeah taylor did some great stuff and um and yeah, then came the goal. Um, really good pressing from Harris. Wins the ball about 25, 30 yards from goal. Plays it to Charters, who then lays a perfectly weighted ball yeah. into Harris's path. He goes, showing you first thought he's right, just hit it. Then he's like, No, I'm going to go towards the keeper. All right, hit it now. No, nope, I'm going to go around <laughs> the keeper. All right, no, come on, hit it. And he gets you on the keeper. And, he, and he, uh, I feel bad for him because I feel if he got that little bit more power onto his initial shot, we would have been raving about that goal for years, yeah. and we saying what what a bit of play and what a finish. But because he'd done so much to get around the keep, he was off balance and he hit it. And initially, it looked like it wasn't going in. And fair play, he recovered to poke it home. And I think as fingers, Simo said in the post match, if he hadn't, if it hadn't gone over the line, or if it had been kept out. Simeon was getting sent off because he, yeah. he tried to
2: handle the ball out the net. It was a good save almost. It was a great save, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Harris got his goal, and it was that was really lovely to see. Um we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Jason Jaden in a minute. And then United were pretty comfortable despite the fact that you know they were playing without a striker. Nick Ballardo came mm. on and did a lot of good running as well, uh, towards the end. Um, but then just a sloppy bit of play from a set piece got trammy back into the game, didn't it? Mm. Switched off for a second. Guy let Hemmings get away from him but too easily. Hemmings hit a shot that, really powerful shot that Holy just had to parry and it looped up and, again, we were just caught a bit napping and Byrne was there to head the ball into the empty net and um, made for a slightly nervy last 10 minutes, but not that nervy. They had a few set pieces, but I wouldn't say there was any real big chances that made you think, oh, you know, I wasn't, despite the fact we didn't have that striker, I wasn't panicking and thinking, we're in danger here. You're just kind of, mm, this is a bit more awkward than what I would have liked it to be. And they held on and got, got the deserved win and got into the second round. And at the end of the day, Mike, that's all you need in this this stage of the competition, isn't it?
2: Exactly, exactly. And yeah, it was, it was good to sort of get some more minutes in some players' legs as well that'll help us out later on uh, down the line. So yeah, all you can ask for, we're in the next round and... That's
0: it. Yeah. Well, a couple of talking points about that game before we get into the Harrogate one, which we'll talk in a bit more detail because we were both at that game. Um, Yeah, really impressive win considering all the in- injuries continue to bite. And um, and yeah, I mean, Toby, I got to tip your hat to him, haven't you, for the the mm. running he did considering he, he clearly isn't match fit. And that, that's obvious. Yeah. He's come back a lot sooner than I think Simo would have hoped. And it probably is mm. going to help him build up his match fit a bit better. Mm. But, Without jumping ahead a little bit too much, here we saw a bit of the knock-on effect, though, of playing that sixty minutes when he came on against Harrogate, didn't we? Because he didn't yeah. really look as sharp. he did not look as sharp as he did when he started against Tramby. Mm. and I think that's just the, the effort he put in against them just took it out of his legs, didn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. But I think when everyone's fully fit again, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the chaos that he brings to the pitch when he comes on off the bench, and I think yeah. when we've got like a fully fit Edmondson. Well, you know, he is fit, but he's been suspended. Yeah. When we've got like Edmondson, Dennis, Stretton, Patrick, even, and then you bring in Toby on at 60 minutes after, you know, two of them four have run a defence ragged all game, I think we'll probably see quite a lot of goals from him.
0: Yeah. I, well, again, without jumping ahead, he had an involvement in Moxon's goal as well against Harrogate. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, there you go. But yeah, fair to lad. Terrific effort. Certainly couldn't fault it. Um, Shout-out to a couple more players. Jack Ellis, once again, mm-hmm. a really impressive game. He he got the official man of the match as well, Qu- quite rightly too. I thought he was... I, uh, I christened him on Radio Cumbria, the Kendall Cafu, with my treat to them, Um, following up from the Denton home PLO. But he's, yeah, he's been brilliant, hasn't he, when he comes into the team. It, it's just the thing that stands out with Ellis, when he's played his early games, he's always looked to be very steady early on. Doesn't take any mm. major risks, just keeps it very, very basic and very simple. But in this game, first five, ten minutes, he was getting right up and down the pitch and him and yeah. Gibson tore apart their left back. Mm. He could not cope. He, re- exactly. he, he just, he, I thought they were going to sub him at time. That's, that's how mm. much they were turning him inside out for most that half But that's what impressed me. He, hes He's really growing into his role in the squad and in the team and yeah, he's getting it, more
2: it's... confident, isn't he, as yeah. as well. Uh, that sort of shows. And I think Simo now, it was a case of, well, if back is injured and can't play, I'll, you know, I'll play Ellis. But I think now it's, well, if back needs a bit of a rest, yeah, I, I know he can come in and do a job. Uh, whereas before, I think maybe that's m- maybe why back was getting injuries, because he was playing too many games. And now we've got the luxury where we can afford to rest him because you know that Ellis can just come in and do the job.
0: You made an interesting point in the car over to, to Harrogate. Actually, getting jumping ahead here, but you um, about the kind of youth product he is because, mm. as you pointed out, with our, a lot of our youth products in recent seasons, they're either excellent and get picked up very early, and we only see them for a handful of games, or they're not good enough and end up at Workington and Ran and <laughs> you know low leagues. We haven't had someone who we think to ourselves, we might get a good 100 plus games out of him as a youth product in our team. Mm. And you feel like Ellis could be that kind of player because he's good. He's probably not championship level good yet, but he looks like someone who could build himself up over the next few years, find out what his best position is. And we'll get a decent decent battle time out of him, won't we?
2: Yeah, definitely. We've seen it too many times with youth players that take the move too soon. And it'd be very disappointing if he was to do the same. But I think... Charters as well. You could say that he could go on to play over 100 games yeah. for us as well.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that's a fair point, actually. I hadn't even thought of really of Charters. I mean, the thing with Charters is it's, it's taking a bit longer, hasn't it? Whereas Ellis has come in basically into his, his first year, hasn't he, as a, as yeah. a youngster and established himself. Just interestingly, because you were saying that, I thought I'm going to have a quick look here and see. What has Liam McCarran done since he's gone to uh, Port Vale on loan from Stoke? Uh, and the answer is four appearances. Mm-hmm. Since August, so yeah, one of them came in the FA Cup game of the weekend, and bar that, and he was subbed off after fifty-five minutes in that game. So,
2: yeah,
0: you know, there's a, a cautionary tale for any youngster coming through our ranks to look at what happened to him going too early. Unless you go somewhere like Everton, where you know you go for big money as well. Mm. not worth the risk that's what I reckon anyway um, no exactly let's mention Jaden Harrison before we move on to the Harrogate game Mike and interesting one that Lommie was talking about on the post match I don't know if you heard this because I think you yeah, were working over yeah. the other weekend talking about Harrison the fact that and it's a fair point people sort of need to realise he's a young lad He's moved all the way to Cumbria he probably doesn't know anyone up here really and he's having to settle on it. and it can be difficult for players to settle sometimes yeah and He's not starting every game and obviously he was starting pretty much every game at all the shots, so it's a different sort of challenge for him. Do you think maybe fans need to go off him? Because we had a few grumbles about him on Tuesday night at Harrogate as well, which I thought were a little harsh. That said, I'm going to point out later that he he did let a man get away from him on one of the goals, but Mm. do do you feel that maybe fans need to to maybe step off a little bit and hopefully this goal might give him that little bit of confidence to kick on a bit more?
2: Yeah, I think... That Simo wouldn't have wanted him to play as much and in as many different positions as he has done. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's had his hand forced a little bit by injuries in that sense. Um, so it's you can see that there's something there with him. I think people just need to be a little bit patient. Um, and I think he has been a little bit of a scapegoat. I think people have been a little bit critical of him needlessly and. Do you feel the yeah, problem- have, he's a project, isn't he? As as you've sort of always said.
0: Do, do you feel the problem is that we're, we're doing so well? It's actually quite hard to find the scapegoat sometimes when things don't go well, and you, yeah. you're basically picking the one player who doesn't actually play that much really, and mm. thinking, you know he's done, you know that that's the way maybe he's getting picked on a little bit, and and I've said this before, I think he's got all the physical attributes to be a really good player. I mean, you look at his yeah. size; what six foot two, six foot three, mm. big, strong, wins his tackles, can win win it in the air. He probably needs to be a little bit calmer on the ball. Maybe just need to get be sometimes a bit more involved when he comes on and a bit more switched on. But give it time, you know. Like you said, he's got a three-year deal. He's got mm. plenty of time to, to develop, and I think he could be a really good player for us potentially. He probably won't see it this season, but maybe next season once he's got a full mm. pre-season behind him as well. With us having mm. played, a, you know, let's say he plays thirty odd games this season, a lot of them as a sub. Yes, but if he does that, potentially we've got a really good player. I think for the future.
2: Yeah, definitely, and I I think you know, people criticizing them and that it's not it's not helpful. It's not like it's not constructive criticism that we're hearing at Harrogate. You know, it it was just people saying it was crap, really. Whereas if you're a bit more constructive and said, "Oh, you should have passed it there" or something, you know, it's maybe a little bit helpful. But I don't think it helps anyone just mindlessly criticizing players. No,
0: no, I'd, I'd agree with that one definitely. Right, let's move on to the, to the next game then, Mike. Uh, Harrogate free. Actually, sorry, I should say before we do it, we haven't got any six second reviews this week. I Haven't had time to sort them out. I have had time to the, the behind enemy line, so that'll be coming up after the break, but there you go. So yeah, Harrogate town free, Cal United free. Um, we've got a point against them <laughs> Harrogate mm. as well. So we, we've we ended that run of defeats there, but beyond that, yeah, not not the greatest performance in the world, but in terms of quality... But in terms of heart, couldn't fault them for the effort, could you? Uh,
2: no. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I've got to take my heart off to Harrogate, to be honest, because I think they played very, very well and they moved the ball around very well, and we didn't really know what to do with them. And you know, our opening goal came a little bit against the run of play. Mm. Um, which sometimes happens in games, you know, you get players who just score a screamer out of nowhere, and that's pretty much what happened because it was a, it was a great goal. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Harrogate will feel hard done by not getting the three points. But good, as we said on the way home, great teams managed to get something out of a game that you haven't been at the races for.
0: Definitely, uh, I think I hundred percent agree with you there. By the way, that yeah, Harrogate, I was quite impressed with them. They played some really nice football. They got some really good little players. I mean, uh, the lad Headley in defence, he looks a real player, doesn't he? He, mm. he he basically ran the game from. Yeah. Was he left back or left centre back? It was hard to tell, really. But he was. Yeah. He got up and down. He was quite reminiscent in a weird way of Mellish in the way he played, wasn't he? The amount he got up the pitch and, and mm. attacked, really. And uh, we'll talk about Mellish in just a sec, obviously. But um, but but yeah, I. I I think you made this point, didn't you? Or maybe, some, maybe it was Sam who was with us, um, who knows are listening to the pod, um, that it, it was quite a small, tight pitch. Yeah. You didn't get that impression from the way they played. They were finding a lot of space on it, weren't they?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's always been a, a sort of tight pitch there, hasn't it? And their first goal, the Armstrong goal, they'd been trying them balls and behind quite a bit, and there isn't yeah. a lot of space to get them. And I think they've, they've probably tried it. As many as maybe 10 times, but if you get that right once, you know, it's a goal. And it was a goal, and I don't know if it was part of their game plan because they were sort of they played a few sort of in between Huntington and Whelan on that left hand side, and they both kind of left them for each other a little bit. And then Holy would end up coming out for it, yeah. But then for their goal, it all just went horribly wrong in that sense.
0: Well, let's talk about the goals then, Mike. Um, First up, if you've already sort of touched on it, but Taylor Charters, what a goal. Mm. I mean, you slightly just disagreed me on the walk back to the car, but I I think this is currently goal of the season, basically. Because it's just a wonderful bit of play. I mean, first of all, really good pressing, actually, to win the ball back deep in their half when they had the throw in. Um, I think it was Edmondson finds Dennis, who then plays a nice little ball inside for Charters. Sets himself nicely and... We were right behind it, weren't we? Basically, mm. it, was, it was right in front. You
2: knew as soon as it left his foot, didn't? Oh, you? Oh yeah,
0: you were like, oh, "This is a good one." You, at the very least, it was probably going to hit the bar, and and what a hit it was! It mm. right over the keeper. He had no chance into the roof of the net. Twenty five yards,
2: bang, one nil. But ag- but again, got to say it, Jack Armour. If you watch the highlights, he's dragging the defender miles away from Charters. Yeah. So the you know the red sea opened. He had loads of space to shoot. If Armour wasn't up there, he wouldn't have done. No, absolutely,
0: definitely. 100% agree on that one. Um, that was on 12 minutes, 28 minutes. Uh, Harrogate equalised for that goal from uh, Luke Armstrong, who had a pretty decent game for them up front, I have to say, as well. Mm. Um, but a sloppy goal to concede, wasn't it? I think Burrell plays the ball out of defence to Muldoon. Um, he was able to turn just a little bit too easily for me. Um, mm. And then plays that free ball for, um, for Armstrong. Armstrong it's one of those weird ones I saw it that's like I still can't really work out should Huntington maybe do a bit better the thing is Huntington's not going to have any pace we know that he's 34 years mm. old now there's kind of a feeling like could he have maybe pulled him back to stop him but you risk him potentially if the ref looks that he might even look and think it's a red card you
2: know, well I think looking back Huntington actually gave him quite a narrow uh, shooting mm. window if you like um, but Holy been so far off his line meant that it was quite easy for Armstrong to poke it. And I'm not having a go at Holy for an line because, like I say, they played a lot of them balls through mm-hmm. and Holy had to come out to collect them. But it was just... A, they just didn't seem on the same yeah. wavelength, Whelan, Holy and uh, Huntington.
0: Yeah. We are... We're big fans of Big Tom Ash, but... Yeah. In my opinion, I think he was a little bit too slow to come out. And we, and we did think that at the time he... We, we obviously, again, we were right behind the goal there. And it was just that little bit of a lack of decisiveness, wasn't it? It mm. was kind of like, it wasn't much. That's the thing. If he just decided that space second earlier and gone, right, I'm going for this, he could have gone mm. and cleaned it out and, and got the ball. But he just he just paused slightly. Yeah. And then fair play to Stryker, it's a smart finish through Holy's legs. And Feeney, he was quite a slow ball, wasn't he? He wasn't hit with power. Feeney just couldn't quite get back in time to clear it off the line. No, and, uh, but
2: I mean, at he- the same time, no, while we're sort of questioning... You know could our players have done better I think if it was one of our players that had played that ball through I think we'd be saying what a fantastic ball that is because oh yeah 100%. that's what that's what you want you want the kind of ball through that causes yeah. a lot of havoc and yeah. people don't know how to deal with it and yeah it's just one of that one of them goals but Armstrong looked quite a handful to be honest
0: yeah well first half he did I don't think he was quite as involved second mm. half to be honest but um but yeah uh after the break, I mean, they clearly had a bit of a rocket from Simo, as you'd expect. Mm. Uh, came out a little bit stronger. And um, yeah, good play by Moxon, keep, keeping the ball. And I thought he could have gone down because Lad dived in and didn't get anywhere near him. Mm. Or near the ball, sorry. But he, he kept the ball, played out wide to armour, and he set himself up. And what a cross in this was. Yeah. I mean, again, this is one where we had a brilliant view of this, didn't we? Because mm. we were, we were... As you look at the goal, we were to the right of the goal, right at the front row of it, and we could see directly, as soon as he played that ball, we're like, if anyone gets a touch on this, this is a goal. 100% it's a goal. And
2: taking nothing away from Edmondson, absolutely anyone could have scored that, because it was such a peach of a cross.
0: Anyone who's seen uh, Edmondson's Instagram post, will see he's been posting the old... uh, Plate with the knives and forks, to saying like, a, yeah. basically that I oh, will put it on a plate for him and fed, fed him his dinner. And uh, yep, thank you very much. And yeah. yeah, he was a great header though. To be fair, you, there's always a risk with those ones. You go in a, a bit too quickly and you get under the mm. ball and send it over. And he just powered in. keeper mm. had absolutely no chance. And and, and he had a good plate,
2: game as well, Edmondson overall.
0: He did, considering he got a really silly booking. Mm. The only player booked he got uh, for us. I um, mean, he got really silly booking. Pulling back there, lad, for for no reason. He didn't need to do it. He was in there half as well. And then, literally about three or four minutes later, dived in on a tackle that led to a chance for them where they hit the post. Mm. Um and the ref did say to him after that, didn't he? We saw him at a word mm. and said, That's your final one. Yeah. You can't do another one. So, so to play for that, we thought he might well come off at half-time here because he's, you know, he's yeah. getting himself into some bother. But...
2: I mean, I, I was not saying he should come off at half-time at no. all. I was saying he should stay on the pitch and score yeah, um, a, a goal. That's you're what lying. I was saying. You're a liar. <laughs> um,
0: <but> to be <laughs> fair, I thought he might come off. I didn't say he should, but I thought he might because I felt yeah. he was in danger. But very, very well disciplined, to be fair, and credit to him for the second half. He, he did a lot of running, to be fair, and actually you know, caused their defence countless problems throughout the game. Mm. Um, But yeah, then two calls for Harrogate. Got them not just back level, but then into the leader. First up, Burrell. Um, Again, one of those ones that wasn't great defensively. Um, Mm. Corner to the near post. um, He was marked, but not very tightly. Got Mm. up and headed it past Holy. And I've heard a few people criticising Holy for this one. I I wouldn't expect a keeper to come to his near post and claim a ball like that. No, it's, it's not. If, if it's into the middle of the six yard block, if it was like halfway across. Yeah, I, I totally mm-hmm. understand. But there's no way he's coming to get that, to be fair. Yeah. It, it just, it's just, it's a good ball and good header. But again, could have made it tougher for him. I think it's fair to say. Um, so yeah, that gave, got them level. And then, as we mentioned, Harrogate's best player on the night, Headley, um, got his deserved goal 50 minutes ago. United, this is one where Harris should have done a bit better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He gets to, he gets out a little bit too easily. Even if you bring him down and you, you give away a booking, fine. You can you can live with that. You know mm. that's you know just try and keep it tight. And then um, he actually it's a shot on the stretch, isn't it? When you look back at it, I yeah. thought it was a really good finish first, but actually he kind of he's really struggling to get to it. But yeah. fair play, he got the power on it, and Hurley didn't really have much of a chance, and it flew into the bottom corner. And then Harrogate made a substitution, didn't they? They took off, mm. was it Muldoon they took off? They took off one of the strikers and threw on Rory McArdle. Now, Rory McArdle, what did we, what did we say at the game, Mike? We, what did you say about him?
2: Well, I think he must have had a very difficult paper round because he looked about 45 years old.
0: He's 35. I thought he was actually yeah. older than that. So he's 35 years old. He was thrown on big centre-back and they basically threw an extra defending because they knew we were going to go for it. And my God, did we go for it, to be fair. We must have had about... of our, corners. I think about six of them came in that mm. last five, ten minutes, didn't they? Mm. Um first up uh Huntington had a brilliant chance for mm. a cross in header and the keeper made a brilliant save to palm it over. Which, which
2: would have won you a few quid.
0: Oh I'm feeling about this. So I put on a silly <laughs> I like to put on a little silly one pound bet. I don't put daft money on because, you know, it's just for me it's just a bit of fun. So I put a I put a pound bet on. Taylor charter to score any time. Ryan Edmonton to score any time and Paul Huntington to score any time which would have won me my one pound bet uh, £275. So yeah, yeah. I, when we saved that I was like you have absolutely." <laughs> but yeah so uh, see, that was a bit of fear Feeney then had a really good chance of a header that I think the keeper saved and one that went just over mm. and you just got this feeling oh, we're going to play all night and we're not going to get anywhere near scoring. Mm. But then 93rd minute come off the hour come off the man one of our own once again mm. Um Owen Moxon. Well, he initially took the corner. I completely forgot this when I was mm. until I watched back the goal. I was like, oh wow! Not only did he score, he actually took the initial corner that it came from. Mm. So he's sort of high looped. he looked a bit too high at first, didn't he, His initial corner. Mm. Feeney gets on the end of it, heads it. There's a few shouts for handball. It's never a handball in a million years. No. It's, the lad blocks it. Comes to the edge of the box where Feeney then tries a left foot half volley that is blocked. And then in the third attempt, the ball sort of comes back out to him. And this time, he's very calm. Plays it to Finnback. Finnback sends in. Not the highest cross in the world, is it? In towards the six-yard box, where Toby Silver actually goes for the header and isn't too far off getting on it.
2: I think he gets a touch on it.
0: I don't think it's him. I think it's the defender. I've watched it back a couple times. I think it's Burrell, the defender. It comes off.
2: He basically? Well, I credited Show Silver with the assist anyway to make up well, for uh, last Saturday.
0: That, that makes up for last Saturday, man. <laughs> Um And yeah, it comes to the far post where Moxon... And fair play, you could easily thrash at this. You could easily completely cock it up and not get a good contact. Brilliant header. Yeah. Low header, into the net. Keeper's got no chance. Free-free. Those fans behind the goal, including us, go mad. Morgan, Morgan Feeney was celebrating with me and a couple of us, wasn't he? He was, he was loving yeah. it. He, well, he was fuming, wasn't he? He was just proper angry. Yes, sort of shouts for him. And then, yeah, goal goes in, level, and then... There was only about ten seconds after the kickoff wasn't there? and it the final whistle went in yeah i I really did feel for Harrogate I thought you know on another day fair play great three points so and they don't look like a side that's down where they are do they? they i I have a feeling they'll probably if they can keep that squad fit and they play like that every week, they'll drag themselves away from trouble yeah, think. surely, I, I can't see them being down there, but um, but yeah, I mean main points of this Mike, for me were was a bit of a poor performance, but the spirit. That's the thing that really stands out in this squad. They fight, don't they, till the very end.
2: Yeah, definitely. And for me, though, I think listening to Simo's comments after the game, he hasn't been getting too drawn into talking about us going for promotion. Yeah. But given his reaction, like you know that promotion is the goal this season. Because it was a poor game and we weren't really at the races. And to salvage a point, you know, for a team that is maybe aiming to finish mid-table, the manager would say, oh, you know, I'm glad we got the point in the end, it was a great character, but he was not happy. I mean, he did say those sorts of things, but he was not happy at all.
0: Well, interesting though, He, did, he, he I, I took a slightly different view of it. I, I feel like he still thinks we're not quite there because he was talking, he, There's some some of the words he used were along the lines of, like, we're not good enough to think we can get away with playing that badly in a game, mm. basically. And, and I think he's almost tempering expectations a little bit there, but... I, I, you're probably right. And they're probably now we've gotten to ourselves in such a good position. Playoffs, at least, has to be an aim. You'd think, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Um, I mean, let's talk about the, the, the main issue in the team for this game. Obviously, we mentioned about the, the team selection. Um, obviously, Corey uh, Edmo obviously came in, for, and Dennis came in for uh, Show silver Gibson dropped out surprisingly, though, didn't he? That was a little bit of a surprise. Um, yeah, came on, did fairly well when he came on. That two or three times he's trying fancy flicks and
2: mm.
0: he needs to cut that out a little bit in a game mm. like this. It's all right. If you're winning a game two nil. I can live with him doing it. Then a few fancy flicks and try some clever things then. But when you're chasing a game, when you're at two, two or you're three, two down, don't need any of that crap. If I'm brutally honest, you know, mm. no need for it. Cause you know what? He's good enough to do well without doing that sort of stuff. And that's the reason why it's annoying. So yeah, but yeah, still. He, to be fair, he, he did have a good impact, Gibson, when he came on. He did probably have the subs. He probably had the was the better of the three. Um, but yeah, I mean, the big question obviously before the game is who who would come in for John Mellish? And it was mm. Corey Wheel in the end, and I I don't think we'll had the worst game in the world, you know. I thought it he was just, okay. It was
2: clear that that isn't his position. No, he looked
0: uncomfortable, but actually when he mm. had the ball and didn't have too much pressure on him, he, he was okay, he kept it. And mm. it a few times he didn't just lever it out. He tried to find armour. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it, it it's not so much the fact that he was targeted or you know, he was weak in that position. It's We missed John Mellish, didn't we? And I don't yeah, think anyone yeah. could doubt, doubt now how important Mellish is to the way we play.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I said it about 10 minutes in. Because we just couldn't bring the ball out of defence, yeah. really, and we, and didn't, and we did. not have someone so out. well. We didn't have someone yeah.
0: stepping out to win the ball either, did we?
2: Mm, exactly, and yeah. So, looking forward to him being back in the team this weekend, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's much doubt about him coming back in yeah. his fit. Is the really, but um,
2: I mean, a
0: slight question: maybe Duncan Ayde hadn't been given a, a run out at, in that position.
2: I mean, it kind of begs the question: why sign him? If you're not gonna play him in that situation. I suppose, I suppose you
0: maybe thinking, I need to go for experience here, you know, for getting mm. someone like Luca Armstrong who's, you know, caused us problems in the past and mm. will do and especially who's caused us a lot of problems in the past, but in the end we went to the back four at half time, didn't we? And you know, yeah. Pushed them, um, yeah, you know, Base back four and um, Charters dropped back into the midfield. I can't even remember what it was now, but basically Gibson obviously came on and played more as a, front it's a bit of, of a
2: diamond, I think, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: it was sort of a diamond, wasn't it? it a was guy sort of sitting mm. and uh, Gibson at the tip and Charters and Moxon either side. But uh, but there you go. I should know that Owen Moxon was actually given the Scored dot com man of the match in this game with a rating of eight point nine,
2: which I think is is best game for the club apparently. Which... Yeah. Which I don't surprised. buy <laughs> I,
0: I don't think, but that, that, that it's all based on stats, isn't it? And things like that. Yeah. So but, but it does go to show, maybe sometimes you don't realise that, you know, stats-wise, when you look at the average ratings of the players in this game, ours weren't that far off Harrogates. Mm. Maybe it's that last 10 minutes or so, and the pressure we put on really helped with that, mm. I suppose. We, it was fairly constant pressure by that point, wasn't it? So, uh, mm. so there you go. But yeah, it, one of those ones, look, yeah, accept that it's not a good enough performance. Mm. but we got something from it and just look at, look at where we can be better in those situations going forward. Yeah,
2: definitely. That's the best way of looking, isn't it?
0: Right, we'll take a short break and then we'll be back to preview the Walsall
1: game. This is John Mellish, you listen to the Brunton Bugle.
0: I thought Big John was very appropriate for the halftime break today because <laughs> he was the one we missed on Tuesday night. So uh, nice to hear his voice and hopefully see him playing at the weekend. Um, right, so let's preview the Walsall home game. Uh, obviously back to, to league action at Brunton Park um, we have a behind enemy line section this week we've had it off for a few weeks haven't we because mm. I, I've either been away and not had time to sort stuff or we've not been able to find the opposition pod for Harrogate as has been the case because they don't seem to have any online fans because um, I'm uh, surprised that because it's very posh Harrogate isn't it we were, yeah it's full played, of old
2: people though isn't it yeah oh, it's fair point fair
0: point Leeds fans who can't afford that's ultimate, not to
2: say that old people but, don't know how to use the internet but no True. don't. No. Anyway. Yes, that's
0: me Um right, so yeah, uh, for this week's uh, Behind My line section, I spoke to Tom from the One Pod Beyond Walsall Podcast. Have we spoke to him, I think, last season as well. Actually, we had a really good chat with Tom. Um what do we talk about? We talked about the Saddler's slow start of the season, the American takeover in the summer, uh, how that's getting on, and where on earth is Joe Riley? yet to make a competitive appearance in Walsall. So we talked a little bit about those things and a few other bits. So here's a chat I had with Tom. So after a few weeks off, we're back. Finally, we've got an away fan to come on to do the Behind the Enemy Lines section. And this week, we've got Tom from the One Pod Beyond Walsall podcast. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome. Uh, it's, good to have, it's good to have someone on because I mean we've had a bit of a problem. I've been trying to get... I didn't have time to get a Tranmere fan. And then Harrogate don't appear to have any fans on the internet. Bugs <laughs> of things, it just proved a bit of a nightmare, but there you go. Um, let's talk about all things Walsall then. Um, been quite a slow start to the season for the Saddlers, wasn't it? But things really seem to have started to pick up in, in the last few weeks, especially. What's been the main factor in that sort of turnaround of form?
1: Yeah, I mean, we started really well in the first three games. We won our yeah. first three games and then didn't win for 12 after that. Um So, uh, you know, fans started to get a little bit twitchy, but, um, you know, still believed in Michael Flynn. Obviously, you know, his track record speaks for itself. Um, He needed time to turn Newport round, and I think we knew that he would need time to turn us round as well. Um, And so, you know, fans didn't stop believing in Flynn despite performances dropping. But... Um, In the last seven or eight games, um, we really do seem to have turned a corner. We've um, won four, drawn two and lost one in the league. Um, And on Saturday went to Wickham and turned them over in the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, I I think really it was just that the players needed time to gel. There was another big turnover in the summer. Uh, We've had horrendous run with injuries. Um, And so, um, yeah, it it was just a case of... um, of the players, you know, taking time to to learn each other's games, to to um, understand what uh, Flynn wanted from them, and it, it really seems to be paying off now. We we look like a a different side, to be honest. Was there ever a feeling about run
0: of you know twelve games of a, a win? Because we, we I remember we talked about it in our podcast, We like do a little review of the League Two results. And we were saying, when does it get to a point with him that maybe they start to worry about have we made the right decision in in him as manager? But it sounds like as fans there wasn't too much of discontent in terms of we want to get rid of the manager during that period.
1: No, I, I think as Warsaw fans, you know, we understand over the last sort of four or five seasons, we've tried absolutely everything. You know, we've had the returning hero in Dean Keats. We've had the established league two, um, manager, um, in uh, Clark, um, we had the untried manager in um, Matt Taylor, and I think yeah. we knew that you know we, we you know it, it, there came a point where it was like, well, is it us rather than the managers um, that that coincided with a change in ownership, so we 've got new American owners who um, seem to be um, doing all the right things so far, um, no complaints about them. Um so I think there was a there was a sense that um, we just needed to give Flynn time, so he never he never lost the fans despite um not winning for twelve games, and to be fair you know we we weren't getting um battered week in week out. We still haven't lost a game in the league by more than one goal all season, so I think you know it's fine margins, and the fans realize that and we're happy to give him a bit of time and it's kind of been you know um, proved to have been the right decision because uh, we do definitely seem to have turned a corner.
0: You've preempted my next question there by talking about the takeover, because I was going to ask you about that. So that obviously took place in the summer. And obviously you got your new American owners, um, so it all seems to be going pretty well with them. Because I know that the, the previous owner was in place for, for quite a while, wasn't he? And by all accounts, not an overly popular person, I have seem to remember.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there was an interim manager in between the Americans and Jeff Bonser, who was, um, Jeff Bonser was there for 30 years. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. and And, you know, presided over um a sort of relatively uh, strong period where we were playing in the championship um we had four or five seasons in, the, in in the championship over two different campaigns um but then there was definitely a feeling that we'd stagnated um after that um and uh, Lee Pomlet took over who was you know um on the board already so there was a sense that you know it wasn't um, someone completely new. It was someone you know uh, taking over from within. I think he got a lot of goodwill purely by not being Jeff Bonser. Um, and then the takeover in the summer um, by this American um, investment group was completely out of the blue. I mean, it, it hadn't leaked at all. The club had kept it very, very tight. I think only about two or three people within the club knew anything about it. They were very, they were, they were sort of quite senior people at board level who knew nothing about it until the fans did. Um, and so it's, yeah, it was a complete surprise, but um, uh, yeah, I, I wrote an article for when Saturday comes not long ago about um, uh, American owners and how they might not be all um, they're cracked up to be in terms of, you know, what they want from football Um, is often not particularly what fans want. You think of the European Super League, um, the Glazers, um, FSG at Liverpool. The Americans have very much been the driving force behind trying to change um, the British system uh, or the English system for the worse, in my opinion. Um, Our American owners, um, you know, obviously are um, not in that same sort of um, billionaire Premier League class. Um, And they do seem to be doing stuff Right, you know, that they've um, made sort of strides to improve the matchday experience. Um, we seem more professional in our sort of media output, which you would expect from sort of slick American businessmen. Yeah. And they've made um, sort of uh, inroads into improving. The infrastructure, so I don't know if you've ever been in the Saddlers Club, which was I, the only I, sort of... Um, I had a question you know, to ask
0: you about that as well, so yeah, go on.
1: The, the only bar for sort of miles yeah, around yeah. near um, Beskett Stadium, now the Poundland Beskitt Stadium, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, so uh, there's talk of them reopening that, because that's Brilliant. been derelict for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, so uh, And the big one, of course, is, is buying the ground back. Um, we haven't owned um Beskits since we moved there in 1990 um through um a, a long series of uh, shenanigans which I won't um bore you with but um yeah if we could get the freehold of the ground back and actually own our own ground for the first time since it was built over 30 years ago that would be a massive feather in their cap yeah. so um yeah they're uh, they've earned a lot of goodwill so far although you know quite a few Warsaw fans who've been following us Uh, for as long as I have are still slightly cynical about their motives they're an American investment group they want to make a return on their money not entirely sure how they do that but um, at the moment they've still got a lot of goodwill from fans
0: yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad you answered that question about the saddest cup. I was going to ask you: Is there any plans to get that open again? Because that is something that I do miss when I go to Walsall, because It used to be great to go in there for a drink, and now you have to drink in that uh, in the is it the park next door? It's
1: not quite. Yeah, you you can't here. even you can't even drink there anymore because it's. Oh. Um, I think it's a hotel exclusively for asylum seekers now, oh, or right, okay. possibly. Covid cases but yeah there's a reason why that's not open anymore so, right, so we've um, got yeah
0: Even more of a walk the, to find the pub than probably over yeah, well, Indeed
1: um,
0: Yeah so um, you sort of touched on Mike Flynn before but you all seem quite happy with as a manager so far Cause, I mean as you said quite a big turnover of players in the summer I mean you had, I think it was 11 have gone out 19 coming in well that's practically a full squad it, coming in um, you're pretty happy with the business he did over the summer because well. I mean I'm looking in. You lost Otadevi to to Bradford, but other than that, the ones you lost, I wouldn't imagine you would be that fussed on, really.
1: No, I mean, there was a lot of Deadwood in that squad. Um, Matty Taylor's uh, squad from the start of last season included, uh, I mean, it it was big name heavy. Um, You think of sort of uh, Connor Wilkinson, Joss Labadee, Manny Monthe. They're all established League Two players and and probably came with, you know, uh, decent wages as well. Beyond that, we were really sort of struggling. This this squad this season is much more balanced, um, and we seem to have brought in quite a few players, um, you know, who are um, hitting the ground running. So um, Isaac Hutchinson came in from Derby, who Wayne Rooney was a big fan of, and and you know Derby fans were, were hoping might have stayed. Um, we brought in Tom Knowles um, from Yeovil, who um, Mike Flynn. Um, bigged up by saying he was the, in his opinion, the best player in the conference, um, and he's been really good as well so far. Danny Johnson obviously came in on loan from Mansfield, and has um, scored a lot of our goals. Um, we were, you know, supposed to be bringing him in permanently, and then at the last minute, Mansfield got cold feet um, and would only loan him to us. So it remains to be seen whether they, um, uh, you know, recall him in in January in a bid to yeah. scupper us as a potential. Um, playoff or top half rival, um, and then uh, Liam Bennett as well, um, who came in on loan from Cambridge and has been our best player so far mm. this season. But again, is um, another one who was slightly worried may get recalled in January.
0: Oh, there you go. Uh, I got to ask you about the explosion squad. So before we talk to the one that doesn't seem to seem to have disappeared off the face of the earth <laughs> so far, let's talk about Brandon Comley because he he's one who we had on loan from QPR quite a few years ago. Um, he then came back on trial with us in January of, January or February, I think it was. In fact, no, it might be March, actually. It was under Simpson, and I think he decided it wasn't worth keeping him in because we had enough as it was. How's he doing so far? I saw he got sent off the other day, but he, he seems to be doing okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, he's very similar to our most long-serving player in uh, Liam Kinsella, yeah. um, who plays that sort of holding role um, in front of the defence. Um for a large part of the season, you know, fans were grumbling that they couldn't play together because they were too similar. Um and then as soon as um Comley got sent off um and missed the game, um we were 3-0 up at home against Harrogate oh, after 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Um I'm I'm not saying um that's cause and effect necessarily. And to be fair, he came back in and played alongside Kinsella at Wickham um and was excellent in a sort of um in a box midfield um that sort of protected the back four and, and overran um Wickham in midfield when we had possession. Um so yeah, I mean he's he's been a valuable squad member not one of the most heralded who came in. Um I think we signed him from Dagenham and Redbridge. Yeah. Um but but he's he's done a job albeit um it remains to be seen whether, you know, him and Kinsella play together going forward when we need to attack teams more um at home I would still you know, possibly prefer just Kinsella there and then um, a few more attacking options in midfield, to be honest. But, um, you know, he's he's been okay.
0: Well, let's talk about another midfield option, a man who has yet to make a uh, competitive appearance for you, but has obviously made quite a few appearances for the Blues. It's Joe Riley. What's gone wrong there? I mean, it sounds like he's had an injury. They haven't been able to work out what the problem is. Because it's strange, because before he came to us, he'd only made six league appearances, I think in his career or something like that, before he actually signed for us. And he made, what, something like 50, 60-odd, maybe even more for us. And now he's back to having injury problems again.
1: Yeah, I mean, out all season um, and doesn't appear to be any closer to a return. I think um, they're on record now as saying they finally do know what the issue is, Mm. but they've been very, very quiet about it. Um, And um, yeah, we we don't know um, anything more than that, I'm afraid, Um, which is a shame because, you know, he seemed to be, a um, uh, relatively promising signing. But um, yeah, we, we've we not seen hide nor hair of him, unfortunately. I just hope he gets back to fitness soon, to be honest.
0: He's a good player, Joe. It's an interesting one because he, he left under a little bit of a cloud, actually, because he obviously turned down his contract. But he basically, although Simpson hasn't confirmed this, effectively he has done by saying one of the players admitted to him, basically, he'd been tapped up. And didn't seem to realise he'd been tapped up because he said, oh, I've already spoken to another club and sort of deal. And and Simpsons was like, you can't actually do that yet. <laughs> Unless it's right. a Scottish club. And he was a bit like, I think he was a bit taken back. Like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I haven't done that. And I think he basically knew he was going at that point. But um, but yeah, it's an interesting one because I think in the summer, a lot of our fans were disappointed to see him go. But actually now when we look at it, he probably would struggle to get on our bench at the moment because we have right. very, we're very strong in midfield. That's an area where we're really well packed in. He, he played right wing back a lot under Simpson, and again, right wing back, we're very well, were very well stocked there. So, again, he probably would struggle to get in, in, in the team there. Good lad, though, really good lad. He's, he's someone who you know worked really hard when he was in the team, but uh,
1: yeah, he's yeah. done the um co commentary on local radio um a couple of times, um, and um, sort of kicks every ball. And yeah. you know, when we're holding on at 1-0 with 7 minutes of injury time you know he's cheering when we're clearing it and and all the rest of it so i think he's you know he's endeared himself yeah. to fans through that but um yeah let's hope we actually see him on the pitch at some point this season because um otherwise yeah it does seem to have been a bit of a a bit of a waste of a wage unfortunately
0: mm. um i, I had to look through our squad to try and find uh ex-saddlers in there and i was really struggling i was thinking i don't mean anyone in our playing squad has played for you guys and then i remembered our manager Paul Simpson. He had a short loan spell with you guys, didn't he? I think in back in 1998. Do you have any memories of that I'm going to guess no? From the 10 appearances he's made, <laughs>
1: um, I, I do remember Simpson. Oh. Um, I mean, any player who um, comes to us with a Wolves connection um, <laughs> is not going to get off on the best foot. But um, I think I think people um, genuinely sort of um, enjoyed him um, when he was here. I don't have a huge um, memory of uh, of that ten game spell, but um he he was a decent player, um had a decent career. We were talking the other day about um uh, on Twitter um, about whether we could go through an entire FA Cup campaign beating um teams who have uh, ex Warsaw players in their ranks. So obviously mm. Gareth Ainsworth um was the Wickham man is the Wickham manager and had a spell on loan with us. We've obviously got you in the next round of the FA Cup, um Paul Simpson's there. Um and then there are there are a few other teams we could play. Norwich with Dean Smith um comes to mind. And I think there are there are a couple of others as well. So um uh, Russell Martin, the Swansea manager yeah. had a absolutely horrific spell on loan with us. Um so uh so yeah, um uh, maybe look forward to uh locking horns with him again.
0: I mean just about the FA Cup draw before we finish up were you guys as disappointed as we were? <laughs> it's a bit of a boring tie, isn't it? When you, I mean, for us, it, it, it's ridiculous as well because we obviously played Tram in the last round and we played it the week before that in the league. And we're now playing you guys in the second round two weeks before that in the league. So it's it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? I suppose for you guys, you look at it as a home tie, a, a winnable tie, but yeah, a, bit, a little bit boring, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I think we were happy it was at home. Um, we would have, you know, obviously we would have liked... Um, A non-league side because then you're much more likely to get um, get the TV cash, aren't you? But um, you know we've had shocking cup draws for about the last seven or eight years, so we're we're pretty much used to it now. Um, But yeah, it's it's a home tie. We've won our last four at home, so Mm -hmm. um, we're pretty strong at home these days. um, But we'll have a better idea of um, you know of it after we play you on Saturday, because yeah, the games come around pretty quickly, don't they? They do
0: indeed. Well, Tom, before we finish up, uh, we always ask the opposition pod for their predictions. So what are you going for for this weekend?
1: Um, well, we've won our last four at home. We've drawn mm. two out of three away. So um, I'm, I think I can see that sort of uh, trend continuing. So I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Okay, well, that'll do. I think we're probably quite happy with that because our are slight gone slightly
0: iffy in some of the recent games, but, but there you go. Tom, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season. Uh, after this weekend and not including two weeks after that. <laughs> i can got to remember that as well. There you go. Cheers, Lee. Yeah, cheers again, Tom, for giving up your time to speak to us uh, this week on the pod. I should say, I've just realised now when I've been listening back that uh, I forgot to mention Hayden White as one of the uh, former Blues in their squad. I only mentioned Joe Riley and uh, Brandon Comley, so I do apologise for Hayden White. Who could forget that red <laughs> card at Portsmouth, eh? Like, genuinely one of the... I'm going to have to dig that on, on YouTube and stick up because it, it's one of the... I mean, it was borderline assault. <laughs> it was redness, yeah. And like, it's the,
2: it's the fact oh. that John McGee, who was with us, was insistent <laughs> that it was never a red card at the time. Until, until and showed, I don't think it. I've ever seen a more obvious red card in yeah. my life. But then he, then he
0: watched it back later and he's like, yeah, he sent me a message and I'm saying, yeah, that was a red card, wasn't it? I'm was like, yes, it was John. Well done. But there you go. Uh, John's obviously a listener as well. So I'm sure he'll enjoy his little shout out there. Um, yeah, Mike, so let's get into it. Uh, United v. Walsall's this weekend at Brunton Park. Uh Referee for this one, Ollie Yates from Staffordshire. He's seventh season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 16 games so far this season, handing out 74 yellow cards and one red card. I mean, that's pushing on averaging five yellows a game. Mm. Quite card happy. Not so much on the reds, but you know. Um, yeah, last season he took, handed out 95 yellows and four reds in 28 games. So his average of number of yellows has certainly increased quite a bit, hasn't it, actually? whereas his number of reds has decreased by the looks of things. So, interesting the way things go sometimes. Uh, the last United game he took charge of was the 0-0 home draw against Hartlepool back in February. Jordan Gibson uh, was booked for United that evening. At, I, can't, I couldn't even remember that game. When I looked it up there, I was like, we drew 0-0 with Hartlepool last season? What the? I mean, that was during one of those periods where we weren't very good. I don't think... Yeah, I think, I think that might when last... was in
2: charge then, I think.
0: That might have been... Millen's penultimate game in charge actually when I think about it
2: mm, Yeah.
0: I have a feeling so god yeah it's going back a bit now isn't it there you go head to head record it's going to be the 64th meeting between the two sides United have won 20 uh, drawn 19 and the Saddlers have won 24 our recent record against them is quite good actually I think I think we lost mm. against them at the end of last season I have a funny feeling I'm trying to get this to load up here I had it up before but it's disappeared now um, I have a funny feeling before that, let me have a look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, that's basically their first win in the last seven games against us. Mm-hmm. In fact, they haven't won that many in the, you know since probably about two thousand and eight. They've only beat us four, five times. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of draws in there as well, but it shows how far behind we were in terms of the uh, <laughs> the head to head, and we're, we're slowly catching up with them on that, I suppose. But there you go. Yeah. Um, we talk about some clubs being busy in the transfer market, don't we, Mike?
2: Mm. My God,
0: they've been busy this summer, haven't they? Nineteen yeah. signings,
2: ridiculous, isn't
0: it? It's astonishing. Mm. Um, so yeah, nineteen incoming, uh, eleven leaving. Um, I'm presuming they lost a few loan players as well. so That's probably why there has been quite a big turnaround too. But um, yeah, it's interesting when when they got took over by their new American owners. There was a feeling of like not like a case of old oh, you know they're suddenly the big money club in division but there was a thought of okay they might start getting a slightly better standard of player coming in and would you say that's the case when you look through the players they've got there and then there's a few players there but it's a hard one to judge
2: yeah because they were sort of splashing the cash a bit and I had them tipped to be in the playoffs this season but I mean commonly for for one is that he was on trial with us last season and was deemed not good enough when we were crap (laughs) <laughs> it's true. And so, for them to somehow deem yeah. him as good enough, I don't know. It's...
0: I should point out this is the time as well when we were playing Brennan Dickinson in centre midfield. Yeah. So we could have done with another midfielder probably in there. Mm. There you go. Um, I mean, looking through some of the arrivals, I mean, there's a few that stand out, don't they? So, I mean, Peter Clark ending his association with uh, yeah. what, 40, I thought that 41?
2: was a good signing, to be honest.
0: I don't think he's played as much, as he? I think he came on mm. as like a, a sub with a couple of minutes to go against Wiccan at the weekend. Mm. I don't know if he's played too much before that. Um, obviously, they've already got Manny Monfer there. He used to play for Tranmere as well. Um, Andy Williams, I mean, very experienced forward. Mm. Probably not going to get as many goals for you these days as he has done in the past, but, you know, he'll add a bit of a, you know, knowledge up front. I mean, the obvious one, Danny Johnson, on loan mm. from Mansfield Town. Initially, yeah. it was going to be a permanent deal, but I think... Mansfield had a little minor panic at the last minute and thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this and only loaned him out. And I think there's concern there that he'll probably get recalled mm. in January if Walsall are doing fairly well and round about where Mansfield are. Um, yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he, he had a really good spell at Orient for mm. probably half a season where he just scored for fun. Mm. And then doesn't quite work out for him the second half season. Ends up going to Mansfield at the start of last season and it really didn't work out for him there, did it?
2: No, he seems to be one of them strikers that you need to play to cater to him. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then he's not going to score as many goals.
0: Yeah, I remember the Mansfield guy, when we spoke to him before the game earlier this season, did say that, because we talked about him leaving, I think he did say that there was kind of a feeling he didn't really fit in at Mansfield and Mm. around the club, you know, not so much he was a bad egg, but, you know, he he didn't maybe didn't feel like he'd settled there at all. Hence why he's obviously made a move now to, to... Warsaw alone it seems to be a bit happier there. He's got he's got a fair few goals up there with Dennis, isn't he, in the scoring charts, I think. Mm. Um looking for something like let's talk about the obvious one then Joe Riley. Joe yeah. Riley now if he was put into the if we suddenly re signed him, right, out of nowhere and he was fit do, he doesn't get an R start at eleven, does he?
2: No. Um Does he get and- onto the bench? Um, I think he'd maybe get on the bench right now, uh, purely for his versatility, I think. Um, but him going paved the way for Jack Ellis, which, you know, is a good thing, really, every but cloud. It's, and him going
0: has paved the way for Finn back and Jack Ellis, a right mm. back. He's probably opened up a, a role for Owen Moxon in midfield, and Taylor mm. Charters has stepped up as well. Is yeah. he getting in ahead of those two? I'm not really sure he is, to be
2: honest. No, well, yeah, certainly not at the minute where, when he's injured anyway. Well, uh, no, of course not, but, but yeah, uh, and seemingly it's something that, well, reading between the lines of this little issue he's got going on, is if he'd have stayed with us, he would have had this issue anyway.
0: Possibly, yeah, I mean, he had a little injury towards the end of last season, didn't he, I think, so maybe mm. that might be a little, little recurrence of that possibly, but... But yes, maybe in the nicest way possible. Maybe we've dodged a slight bullet there in that sense. But
2: and it was a player I rated him. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, yeah, for yeah. One second saying he's a bad player, but I just yeah. I think we've moved on really.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think he probably. I think he'd be it, in and out of the squad. To be honest, at the moment, mm. I don't think he'd be on the bench every single week. I think he's. Yeah, I don't think Simo's overly disappointed that he's gone, and obviously the, mm. the uh, the whole. Um, Tapping up, uh, thing as well probably didn't help things either, did it? I don't think. Mm. Um, yeah, not 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 the brightest moment from from Porto, <laughs> was it? But there you go. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. Obviously, he's not been able to feature for them, and they like like Thomas saying that they don't just don't know what kind of player he is because they haven't really seen him. He's played a mm. couple of preseason games, and that's it. So probably he's been very good on the radio with them, though he's been very enthusiastic. So there you go. <laughs> um, any other players stand out in their squad?
2: Uh. Josh Labadi is, you know, he knows what he's doing at this level, doesn't he? And yeah. I think B- he...
0: being the appropriate, uh, term yeah, thing, isn't it really, Cause definitely he's very much a pantomime villain, isn't he?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think you've got to be careful of him in the dark arts, perhaps. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, you know, we touched on it before. Hayden White, uh, good fullback, but yeah. I, there's nothing that, I'm, that I'd particularly say I'm afraid of, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
0: No, obviously Connor Wilkinson up front, he's, you know, scored a few goals at Orient as well, but he's uh, he's out injured at the moment, I think, so he probably won't be involved at the weekend, I would imagine. Mm. Uh, last time out, uh, Walsall got a very good result there, didn't they, in the FA Cup? A mm. 2-0 uh, win at Wickham Wanderers, the League One side. Um Goals either side of uh, the break from Maddox and Hutchinson were enough for them to secure a place in the second round, where they will obviously face us. Uh, and obviously, keeper Owen Evans, he he saved a penalty um, to secure a clean sheet against the chair boys. Um, it's of over the overall form table. Though. They really have picked up because they went 12 games without a win. Mm. And uh, as Tom obviously said there, that there wasn't ever a feeling when their fans of oh, let's get rid of Flynn. It was more a case of, okay, trust the process here. It's going to take him time to get these 19 players bedding in, which seems to be the case now. They seem mm. to be getting somewhere with that. Um, they're now second in the last <laughs> last six games' form table. Yeah. The record of 1-1 one, one, loss drawn, 1-1. One, one. Uh, United six Now, interestingly, I've not changed that from like the last two or three things. We've been mm. six in the form table consistently for a while now, mm. which is maybe not such a bad thing because the form's not dropping off. It's been very mm. consistent. Mm. Uh, our record, obviously, is 1-1 one, one, loss, loss, one drawn. Um yeah, it's it, 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 interesting to see what happens in this one. I mean, in terms of takeovers, they've been taken over by some Americans. And they're obviously not in the, you know, FSG, you know, Glazers level of, 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 you know, in terms of their what they're worth. But they they seem to be doing all the right things there by the sounds of things.
2: Yeah, by the sounds of things. Um, I mean, you know, you don't sign 19 players if yeah. you're skint, do you? Um, yeah. But... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes, and if it goes badly, if they get bored, which sometimes
0: happens. As Tom was saying on on the chat there, the big question they've all got is, well, why are you getting involved in this? Because you're an investment firm, so you obviously want to make something from it. Yeah, The only thing I can think of is, well, it's a club right by the M6. <laughs> mm. There's quite a bit of land around there, right next to a motorway, you know, that that can mm. be quite popular for people, but... Yeah, one of the problems they've got, obviously, as he said as well, is the fact that they don't own their ground and never have done in the 30 mm-hmm. years that it's been in existence, basically. So I think the, one of the first aims is to try and buy that back and, and hopefully get the Saddlers Club open as well so we can go for mm. a pint in there, because it's been a while, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, right, well, let's move on to United. In fact, let's, let's talk a little bit about Mike Flynn, their manager. He's, he's someone who, I was quite surprised he went there. I thought he might have gone to a League One club, potentially, but sometimes, I suppose... You haven't got time to wait around for that chance, have you? And sometimes you have to take the opportunity when it comes up, don't you?
2: Yeah, and I think sometimes if you wait for a League One job, it's because someone's been sacked often. Yeah. And I think you'd rather go to Walsall with a bit of money to spend than yeah. be at a League One club that's struggling. Yeah.
0: Obviously, you came in before the money came in, I think, at Walsall, actually, if I think when I think back. But you yeah. came into Walsall with a team that wasn't doing well, but wasn't massively struggling in that sense because obviously I think Daryl Clark walked out on them didn't mm. he I seem to remember no sorry it was Matt Taylor wasn't it he? he left them mm. last season Um Daryl Clark was the season before Um yes yeah, so it's, it's kind of one of those ones again, again the fact that he was his, at his home time club for so long such a long association sometimes again you can't take the risk of waiting mm. for ages can you you've, you've got to get out there and try something different so fair play to him for for, for taking that chance and it looks like it's starting to turn around for them. So, fair mm. play. Um, let's talk about United then quickly, Mike, before we do our predictions. Um, yeah, Mellis to the suspension. I mean, we're 99% certain if he's fit, he's going to start this game, isn't he? I yeah. um, don't as really much doubt about that. He, and he will make a big difference in terms of driving us forward as much as anything, which is incredible when you think he's a left-sided centre-back. Mm. Um, Stretton also likely to be fit after his knock, but I'd imagine he'll probably be on the bench. Probably not fit enough to start Um any other changes you make?
2: make? Uh, well, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we could potentially have Edmondson and Dennis and Stretton all available. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think Edmondson should start. He's yeah. scored two goals in two games now. Um, or two goals in one and a half games, yeah. <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it depends sort of who's... Feeling a bit tired from Tuesday yeah. as well, still. Yeah.
0: Do you think Dennis looked a little bit f- rusty, maybe, against um, against Harrogate? A few people I've seen saying that. I'm not so sure. I think he did okay. I think we were, just, we were just so overrun in midfield, we just didn't get the ball to him often enough, I think.
2: Yeah, I think... But at the same time, he's played a lot of football in the yeah. past sort of few weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it would be understandable if he's a little bit tired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you said that you think that Stretton might be on the bench. I think he could well start. I don't know. We'll see.
0: I don't know if he wants to take the risk of starting him. I think he's similar to what he did against Stockport. Just put him on the bench and then, mm. if you need to, you can bring him on, can't you? Um, other than that, do you bring Jordan Gibson back in or do you stick with Taylor Charters for now?
2: Uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, I mean, Charters has been playing well, but Gibson, you know what he brings to the table. and mm-hmm. It's one of them. Whichever one Simo goes for, I'm not really going to argue against it. No.
0: I mean, Gibson... I. I have a feeling Gibson might come in. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100%, but I feel like he might want to think, right, let's get back to our strongest 11. What I know is mm. my strongest 11. And let's be fair, that's probably near enough our strongest 11, isn't it? It wouldn't it be? With Holy mm. in goal, Feeney, Huntington, and Mellishy centre-backs,
2: mm.
0: back and armour, full-backs, sorry, wing-backs, midfield of Mox and Guy and Gibson, and then up front, Edmonton and Dennis I mean the only argument Mm. is maybe Patrick over one of those two strikers but other than that that's pretty much his strongest 11 isn't it
2: yeah exactly that's that's pretty pretty good to be honest
0: yep right okay well let's do some predictions then Mike Um, you can go first what do you want to go for
2: Uh, I'll go for a 1-0 win with Paul Huntington and I've said that a lot this season and it hasn't happened yet and that's probably why I'm bottomed the prediction league but there (laughs) you go right
0: Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win uh, with goals from Edmondson again, and uh, I think Jack Stren will come on and get one. Uh, John Millish, yeah, let's go for Edmondson and Millish. Millish coming back from suspension and getting the winner. Um, yeah, right. Let's do Dan's prediction then. I'm going for a nice steady two-nil win with goals from Ryan Edmondson and Morgan Feeney header from a corner. So me me and Dan will be fighting out for <laughs> who gets the second goal in the game, possibly in that one. But there you go. So so yeah, no, that's just yeah, in terms of the table, in terms of the match predictions one that you do, Mike, um Dan's still top, but it's very tight up there, isn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. Mind the gap.
0: Yeah, so I'm Dan's on twelve, I'm on eleven, and Mike still struck down on six. But you know, you We you, We
2: all we all got one goal scorer. On Tuesday night, yeah. So we all gained one point, yeah, kind of which pointless, was really, pointless, really. Yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly that. There you go. Um, I should say actually, I am not actually going to the Warsaw game this weekend. I mean, we were banging on about it, and I've not mentioned it yet, but uh, I am going to be in Berlin for the day. I am going over to watch Herter against Kiln, uh, so that should be a quite a, a fun day out. I might might even re- record a few bits and do a little special episode for you. About what it's like to go and watch a Bundesliga game on the day, treating it like we're going to in Orient away for the day, which is quite crazy. But there you go. Um, right, X file section four. Finish up, Mike. Um, fairly busy one because we've got two midweeks to cover. Because obviously we recorded very early on mm. the uh, in the previous week um, and a weekend, obviously. So uh, first up, the previous midweek, uh, James Tavernier. He scored uh, from the spot in. Oh, is it James? Sorry, I keep saying Tavernier. James Tavernier, Tavernier isn't it? I, I, I always get it wrong. James Tavernier scored from the spot in Rangers 3-1 home defeat to Ajax in the Champions League which gives them I think the worst ever group stage record in the Champions League.
2: Yeah. Fair placement.
0: (laughs) Not not, not good stuff for them is it? Um, Brad Potts he scored the only goal in Preston's 1-0 home win over Swansea City. Uh, George Tanner was sent off for what you can only describe as a horror tackle in Bristol City's 1-0 home defeat to Sheffield United. It was not a good tackle, was it, this?
2: Yeah, John McGee thinks it was just a yellow. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> oh, John, you're getting some stuff out here. Bless you. Um, Aaron Hayden just cannot stop scoring, as you'll find out again in a minute. Um, he scored in Wrexham's 1-0 home win over Maidenhead United. Uh, Jack Bridge scored a penalty in Southland United's 3-0 win at Barnet. And... Ola Olamola, scored in Wildstone's 1-0 win at Altonham. On to the weekend. Liam Cooper. We don't mention him very often in terms of stuff like this, but he scored in Leeds United's dramatic 4-3 home win over Bournemouth. What a game this was. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff. Um, Mark Beck, he scored a brace for Darlington in their 2-1 win at Harris. I think this puts them top of National League North, actually. Really flying well at Darlington at the moment. Um... And here, here is a name we do not mention in goal scoring, isn't it? James mm. Brown. I feel good. Yeah, he scored for uh, St. Johnston in their 2-1 win over Rangers. James uh, Tavernier actually scored for Rangers in this game as well. Um, back into midweek, uh, the current midweek, that is. Regan Slater. He scored a quick-fire brace for Hull City as they came from behind to win 3-2 at Cardiff City. Uh, Andy Cook scored the winner for Bradford City as they beat his former club Mansfield Town two one. Is there a feeling that Man- that Bradford really rely quite heavily
2: on Andy Cook? It seems to be that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. He, I think if he picks up a knock,
0: they might struggle mm. to keep themselves up near the top, possibly. But there you go. Uh, Tristan Abraham's he scored a penalty in Eastleigh's five two win over Maidstone United. Kedwin Scott scored for Notts County in their 2 two draw with Southend United. Aaron Hayden scored yet again for Wrexham in their 3-1 win at Scunthorpe United. I think he's got something like nine goals in 18 games this season. He's got like Something bit, like that, isn't a it? A goal record of a striker, basically, this season, which is
2: quite well, I, remarkable. I was thinking about this before and thinking how Callum Guy, was he ever good at taking corners? Or did we just have Aaron Hayden in the box for them and it made it look like he was really good at taking corners?
0: It, it could well have been. I'm just quickly getting his stats up here. Why is it not showing this... this... No, let's show sure the wrong season. Let me see. Right, so Aaron Hayden's record this season. Yeah, 19 appearances, 9 goals. <laughs> wow. Uh, one of them was in the FA Cup. So if it's league, in terms of the league, 9 goals and 18 appearances. Mm. Which, um, let me have a quick look and see uh, what that does in terms of uh, top scorers in the in the National League. I wonder if he's right up I imagine he'd be right up there, surely. He is currently... Uh, joint sixth top scorer in the <laughs> National League Paul Mullins right up there is top Macaulay Longstaff of course I completely forgot that he'd been scoring mm. for fun at that level but um, but yeah Wrexham have got I mean, they've scored a ridiculous amount of goals this season mm-hmm. already so no real surprise that they're right up at the top of the uh, National League um, just to finish off uh, Mark Ellis he scored for Torquay United in their free-free draw with Dorking Wanderers that take, a point that takes them off the bottom of the National League Um one of a little bit of news. I think this is one you spotted, Mike, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Adam Collin. He's uh, he's stepped up from his uh, head head of youth goalkeeping at Mansfield Town to be just head of goalkeeping overall. So that's he's basically the main goalkeeping coach now. I think. So uh, yeah. As you mentioned, he's been on the bench a few times this season. Hasn't I think he's been registered to play, similar to the way that Tony Cage was back in the day for us as well. Mm. So yeah, good good stuff for Adam there. And uh, that's today's episode done, Mike. Mm. There you go. Took, took a little bit of a while, but um, covered a fair bit there. Um, we'll be back next week to do a preview of the Solfer Game, a game again that we're both going to, aren't we, I think? I think you're come to that one. Yes. Aren't? So, should be a good one, that one. Um, I'm hoping to get the Christian Dennis interview out early next week. As apologies for the delay on that one. It's just taking a little bit while well to sort out. But um, but yeah, and then uh, we'll have another interview coming out not long after that as well with someone at the club. It'll be a very, very good one that one I'm really looking forward to that too. Uh, Mike, thanks very much for joining me. Always appreciated. Yes. Thanks everyone for listening and. Up the Blues.
2: Up the Blues.